Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hey everybody, welcome back to our show. Once again, I am David Henry and this is the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast, the place for people who want to learn more about lighting. This is of course brought to you by LearnStageLighting.com and uh, we'll be talking about that more here in the future. Um, I want to do a quick shout out, just thank you guys um, so far for helping this podcast uh, to launch so well. Really excited because um, we've just started this thing and I, I've really been excited to have a lot of people listening, a lot of people helping out um, by leaving those reviews on iTunes and telling friends about it. And so today in this episode, I just want to ask you guys, um, if you haven't gone ahead, if you've listened to this and uh, you have thoughts about it, you know, you're not just uh, in the middle, but you're like, hey, I like this or hey, I don't or hey, this podcast's okay. Um, whatever you think, if you could just go ahead and uh, leave a review in iTunes for me or on Google Play or wherever you listen to podcasts, I'm just leave me a little review there. Just let me know what you think about the show. And uh, that really helps out the show, helps people to learn about it and helps us to grow. Now, today I'm super, super excited to talk about what is DMX, okay? And so in this episode, we're going to cover a number of things related to DMX, um, starting with the most basics um, for those of you guys who are brand new to DMX, okay? So DMX, just right off the gate, is how we control our lights generally in, a, in the world of lighting. DMX stands for Digital Multiplex. And so it literally just means that we're taking um, a whole bunch of information and we're shoving it down just a few wires. <laughs> That's the basics of it. Um, from what I best understand, again, I'm not an engineer, and let's put that disclaimer in here, but I do work with DMX a lot. In the past, back in the old days, um, you know, when I first started with lighting, I worked with a lot of uh, older gear, even though I'm a younger guy. Um, we used to have to run literally two wires for each channel of light to an analog controller with the multi-pin um, plugs and these kind of wiry snakes that were all nasty and curly. Now. We just run one wire, one DMX cable, and we're good to go. DMX, like I mentioned, is digital, so it's a digital signal. Um, it's a serial type signal, um, not like the serial you eat, but like serial number. And it runs on the RS-485 layer, the RS-485 standard, and it can run up to 512 channels of 8-bit in information. So let's take a step back for a second and talk about that. Okay. So if you're new to this, you may be like, David, whoa, you just overwhelmed me with technical stuff. I don't really care about that. Um, and you know, but I just want to kind of give you a good backdrop to DMX because it's really helpful to understand the basics, especially when you're working with it, if you run into problems, etc. So 512 channels are able to be run and each of those channels is a bit. That means that each one has zero through 255. Each channel has those different, those different levels that are able to correspond inside your console and inside your lights to different attributes. Okay. And so, um, generally an attribute of light, whether that's intensity or a gobo wheel or, you know, um, color, etc., generally, is 8-bit information. It's generally 0 to 255. Now, there's some things 
like pan and tilt on a moving light or with LEDs, sometimes dimming, we run at 16 bit. And when we do that, that just means that we're using two channels of zero to 255. And the first channel is, is like the course. It's, it's literally zero to 255. And then the second channel, it takes that zero to 255 as a step generally between each of those course settings to give you very fine control of attributes that demand it, you know, like movement, like with LEDs that uh, dimming so that things look really smooth on your stage. All right. And so everything that you control inside your lighting console that then controls your lights is going to be controlled on generally on a channel of DMX. And, um, you know, once you hit 512 channels, well, you're out of luck, right? What do you do? All <laughs> right. So if you look up in the air, you know, at, at any show you go to, um, whether it be a theater show, whether you go to a church service at a bigger church, whether you go to a, you know, TSO concert in an arena, you can quickly begin adding up channels, you know, looking at, okay, you know, that's a four channel LED fixture, you know, that's a 30 channel moving light. And you're going to say, see, okay, they clearly run out of their 512 channels really quick. Um, what do you do? Well, the good news is you can just open up another DMX universe. Now, what is a universe? Well, a universe is when, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but we'll jump back in a second. A universe is just a different wire of universe of, of DMX rather. So when you're working with straight DMX cable, which is regular old DMX, a universe is simply a different cable. So inside of the console, you just patch your things in a different place. You run it down a different cable and you keep it separate from the other universes and everything just works. Okay. Um, now DMX, one of the great other things about it, um, both good and bad at times is that it is a broadcast style communication. Okay. What does that mean? Well, that means that your console literally just sends out that DMX data and it does it every second. It does it about 40 times a second in most consoles. Um, but it could go anywhere from 10 times a second to 40, depending on your console and how you got things set up in your fixtures. Um, and so it sends that information out again and again and again, and it just shoots it out. It shoots it out there and it says, well, I don't really care if anybody's listening, but if they are, they'll get the information, right? And so that's how DMX works. The positive of this is that you know, you don't have to have any sophisticated, um, you know, handshake, like with video, um, digital video signal, often like HDMI, you know, or DVI, you don't have to have that handshake. You don't have to hear back from the fixtures to make sure everything's working. You just see, Hey, it's working or no, it's not. So the downside of course, of it being broadcast is there's not necessarily error reporting. So if a fixture is not getting data, you're only going to know if you see it, you know, physically. There's not going to be an error given back to the console over DMX that tells you that, all right? And so, and so that's DMX in a nutshell. Now, um, one of the things I just talked about hearing back from your fixtures, all right? You say, well, what do we do then? Can't you hear back in your console from your fixtures? And um, you can in some times. And here's how it works. So let's take a step back for a minute. Back before... Um, something called RDM, which I'm about to talk about, showed up on the scene. You had some various manufacturers that had some ways that their consoles could talk to their lights, like uh, ETC had one called uh, ETC Link, and I know there are others out there. 
And these were cool, but they were all proprietary. Okay. They were all, you know, manufacturer specific. And, um, so, you know, one thing wouldn't work with another, you know, manufacturer's, um, equipment, one console, etc. And so then along came RDM and RDM came around, uh, sometime in the two thousands and it allowed us to have fixtures that can talk back to the console upon request. Okay. And so the console or some other kind of handheld controller or something like that can send out a RDM signal and then hear back from the consoles information and change settings on the, the units themselves. So you can look at information like sensors of temperatures. You can look at errors that would be coming up on the screen of your fixtures. You can look at information, um, and, and change information such as the DMX address, the mode that the light is in, um, by DMX, etc. And so that is the wonderful uh, thing about RDM is it allows you to do things from afar that you couldn't do previously. Now I don't want to go into the weeds on RDM here, so I'm just going to leave it there and put a post in the show notes that talks more about RDM and, um, how you use it and how you can get started with RDM even if your console doesn't support it inside of the console. Okay. So we were talking about DMX universes and, um, you know, how they're separated by different cables. Now you can also, and this is going to be a future episode, but you can also use protocols called ArtNet or SACM. And we're going to talk about these later. I believe I've got it planned for episode nine. Um, but these are protocols that allow you to send multiple DMX universes, in fact, many, down an Ethernet cable so that instead of running, you know, on a big show, a whole bundle of DMX wires, you can just run an Ethernet cable with a spare, of course, um, always run a spare, to run a whole bunch of universes down to a node that will then break that out into individual universes. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But let's talk about DMX cable now as we start to wrap up our conversation on the basics of what is DMX. So DMX cable is three pin or five pin cable. By the standard, it's five pin cable. However, they only designed three of the pins to be used. Now, why in the world would they do that? Isn't that dumb? No, it's not dumb. And the reason why it's not dumb is because when DMX came out, keep in mind this was the 80s. They wanted to make sure, even though they only needed three pins of data, that microphones weren't going to get plugged into lights and lights weren't going to get plugged into microphones on stages. And this is a very valid concern because it really messes with your troubleshooting if stuff is plugged in to completely different systems. So they went ahead, the folks, the fine folks who designed DMX, and they designed it the standard to be on a five pin XLR connector so that that was something that nobody else uses in the show control business. You know, audio is not using it. And so if you see a five pin plug, then it's going to be for DMX. Now, like I said, only three of the pins are connected. And so that led to a couple things. Um, one is most people that make and sell five pin cable are only selling it with three wires inside of it. And that's totally fine. RDM, which we talked about before, um, uses those same three pins and shoots its messages out and back in between the DMX messages. So you don't need that fourth and fifth pin. Um, and so 
a lot of people go to three pin cable. In fact, it's something that, gosh, in the, the 90s and early 2000s, there were some manufacturers of lights, um, particularly one in Texas, um, that used three pin on their lights. Now, why did they do this? I don't know. It might've kept manufacturing costs down. But regardless, three pin cable became really popular for lights. And, and, and that's totally okay. It works. However, where you do run into problems is with microphone cable. Because as I've talked about before, I, I hit it a little bit on the Q&A of the last episode. Even if it's a three pin DMX cable with an XLR plug on it that sure looks like a microphone cable, they are different types of cable and they're not able to be used in place of each other. Now, the from what I gather, from what I most gather and have talked to audio guys, etc., you can use DMX cable to run microphones on, okay? That will work. It's 120 ohms or 110, and that totally works all day long, no problem. The cable's a little expensive for microphones, but it works. What doesn't work is using a microphone cable for DMX because it doesn't meet the standards that DMX requires. It doesn't have the, the resistance um, that DMX needs. And so you may be saying, okay, David, now, and I'm going to link to a post on Learn Stage Lighting about can I use microphones for DMX in the show notes if you want more info. But you may be saying, David, I use microphone cable for my DMX lights all the time and it works fine. Why are you saying I can't use it? Well, I'm saying you can't use it because my my experience with this is it works fine until it doesn't, right? So microphone cable can technically work, especially on smaller setups. However, I've seen this time and time again and talked to people where you may start use microphone cable and you may have some fixtures hooked up and that's all good to go. We'll talk about wiring uh, in a couple episodes, okay, in episode eight. You may have your stuff hooked up and it may work fine, but then you may go to add another fixture or a cable might get tripped on or, you know, your fixtures just might be deciding they're having a bad day. And all of a sudden your lights start flickering. They don't respond. They start strobing. You have a DMX problem. And I've seen this happen time and time again with mic cable for DMX. So can it technically work sometime? Yes, but you're asking for problems. So just say no is my my response to that is just my recommendation is really just to say no to using microphone cable for dmx because while it may technically work for you in the short term if you keep doing doing it over the long haul it's going to cause you headaches uh, some painful troubleshooting etc and it's better to just use the right thing the first time and it's not that much more expensive so it's just an investment you need to make if you're working with lighting, all right? And so, like I mentioned, uh, you know, you wanna aim for that 120 ohm cable, which is what the spec is, but a lot of cable is run on that 110 ohm stuff, and that's close enough. That's digital audio cable. A lot of people are selling that as DMX cable. It works great, it's no problem, and it's close enough. And uh, DMX, if you're running it on DMX cable, you can actually run it for 3,900 feet. Um, which is a really stinking long way. Most people, of course, um, if you're like, you know, most people out there, you're not going to be running DMX cable 3,900 feet um, before, you know, getting to your light. So one last quick thing is um, DMX termination. I want to talk about this here. 
So there's a lot of people out there, including the DMX specification that says, that say you must always terminate. Now what's termination? Well, termination is simply going ahead and soldering in a little XLR plug or a little DMX plug, a resistor between the data pins. Okay. Pins two and three on your DMX. You can buy these. They're just a couple bucks, etc., And they're the way that you're supposed to end your DMX chain. Now, the spec's going to tell you, you need to do this every time that you run any DMX. I'm going to tell you, and I might get flack from this uh, from the community, because I know there's people out there that are really hardcore about termination, is that you don't necessarily need to terminate your DMX all the time. In fact, I often don't. Um, in shorter lines and in shorter amounts of fixtures, termination often isn't necessary. Your lights will work fine. You'll have no problems, etc. You know, I've talked to a lot of people in depth about this because it's something that really interests me. I've talked to people that do small shows. I've talked to people that do big shows. I've talked to people that do really big shows. And really, it's only the people that do the really big shows that are running really long cable lengths or putting a lot of fixture on a DMX daisy chain. And we'll talk about this again in a later episode when we talk about wiring DMX. Um, those people say, hey, you know, when you get really long lengths with a bunch of fixtures at the end, that's when you need termination. And that's when you run into the need of termination. So my general rule and guideline for people is you don't need to terminate your DMX lines. Um, but if you do run into problems, get a terminator, throw it in there. And if it solves the problem, then that's what you needed. Um, but usually it's something else. All right, guys, with that, that kind of ends our primary segment for today. Again, um, you know, that was a lot of technical info, but it's really important and, and really interesting, I hope, to you if you're starting with learning or wanting to learn more. And so show notes are at um, learnstagelighting.com slash 005. This is episode five. And now let's dive into our mailbag. All right, welcome to our mailbag. This is the part of the show where I open up the questions that you guys send through at learnstagelighting.com slash contact and um, give you my answers to uh, your lighting questions. And so, as always, I'm just looking at these. I'm just pulling them up uh, as we go along. So what you're getting is not only the answer, but also the thought process behind it. And sometimes that is just as important. So without further ado, first question today comes from Vinyl Manipulator. All right, that's his uh, screen name there, his email. And um, he said, I want to know the differences between programs like um, Chavez Show Express and similar software and the new um, Pioneer Lighting in Record Box and Sound Switch, which is a, a Serato product that I believe was uh, built with Chave. Um, and so um, don't quote me on that. That may or may not be true. And so, um, Vinyl Manipulator, um, there's a couple of things to know about these two things. One, as, as you've probably kind of figured out, um, these, this lighting mode in record box or Serato DJ, um, is a different type of program from something like show express. Okay. So show express, DMX, sys, um, index D pro, you know, my DMX from ADJ. Um, there's a lot of options that are basically lighting controllers that are geared towards DJs, okay? 
And these operate, you know, fairly much. Um, they, they tend to operate like typical lighting controllers in that you, you know, bring up your lights, you do things with them, change colors, effects, whatever. And then you can play back those scenes, those effects. You can play back certain sequences. You can maybe build lighting shows on a timeline. There's lots of different options and they're all a little bit different. Um, but the idea is that it's not something, you know, if you're using show express or something similar, that's going to be auto triggered. It's something where you're going to have, you know, maybe a touch screen or some kind of panel like that, where you press buttons and say, okay, I want this lighting scene. Now I want that lighting scene. I want that lighting scene. And this is how lighting has been for a long time. Um, for DJs who are doing it themselves, either that or sound active mode, which we really don't like here. Now programs like um, record box, the new lighting part of that and Serato DJ, um, having their sound switch are a little bit different. And, um, I've watched some demos. I've done my research on sound switch. I wasn't aware of record box until a few minutes ago. Um, apparently it comes out about a week from when I record this on uh, February 20th, 2018. And so there's not a lot of info on record box, but both these programs are similar in that they're for people who already use the DJ software. Okay. So you're going to already want to be a user of Recordbox or a user of Serato because you're still doing your DJ stuff in that program. But then it's just a little addition to that program, the lighting part where you're able to go in there and, you know, tell the software what you want the lights to do during certain types of music. And then the cool part, and this is pretty cool actually for DJs who are doing lighting themselves. Um, the cool part is that then it has some learning functionality where you can set it to an auto mode and it tries to automatically pair the lighting sequences that, that you've helped it build to music. And so this is better than sound active mode before um, what we had before. It's, it's way better than that. Um, in the demos I've seen, but, um, you know, it's not as good as having a dedicated lighting person, of course. And so that's, that's really the big difference, uh, between these different types of controllers is that, you know, some of them are, are a new thing that's built into the DJ software itself and is able to, you know, you're still going to have to program. It's not going to do it all by itself and make a, a great show. Um, AI isn't there yet, you know, uh, artificial intelligence, but it has some elements of that which are really cool where they're able to, you know, play back some things automatically or play back something that you've tailored specifically to a particular song and, um, be able to give you a cool light show that way. So, um, that's really the difference is that, Hey, you know, you've got to completely be inside of that DJ program. You're locked to that DJ program for this lighting program to work. Whereas a traditional lighting program, um, may have some sound triggering, some MIDI triggering capability, or you may just trigger it manually. But the benefit is it will work with any DJ program. It'll work with cassette tapes. If you're using cassette tapes or uh, vinyl records or CDs or whatever, um, I said cassette tapes kind of as a joke. And so that's really what you're going to find there. Um, so thanks for writing in a uh, vinyl manipulator. Next, Jeff writes in and he says, um, hi, David. I'm assuming anyways. Yes. Yeah. I do read my email, um, my own email. Um, he loves my videos and, um, he's really happy for the help so far. Okay. Um, but his question is, 
He's now changing his DAW, his digital audio workstation, from Cubase to Pro Tools, and he was told he needed a third-party software so Pro Tools will talk to DMXs. Um, so what needs to happen? Okay, Jeff, so there, there's two ways. I'm going to start back a little bit. There's two ways um, to trigger DMXs from a DAW, okay, from a digital audio workstation. The first is probably what you did in Cubase and you're used to. And that's going in, you know, using the VST plugin or the AU and bringing up the little DMX's window inside triggered by your DAW and then adjusting individual lights or, or cues and presets um, through that plugin. So from what I gather, I'm, I'm no audio expert, but I can Google um, and, and I talk to people is that Pro Tools doesn't doesn't use those same type of program um, plugins rather. And so what do you do? Well, the second way to trigger DMXs is you can trigger scenes that you've built inside of DMXs via MIDI, okay? And so, Jeff, this is what you're going to want to do. And I, if you look over at the DMXs forums, um, that's forums.dmxs.com, there's, there's a few places in there, um, a few posts, if you just search in the search bar, that kind of walk people through this, where you set up some MIDI tracks um, that just send out um, channels 15 and channel 16, if it's within the same computer, you just use the, the loopback adapter. And then um, and then when you want to trigger a specific preset, you just do that in accordance uh, to the cue that um, that it lines up with on the MIDI track. And so um, if you do want more help with that, I do actually have a set of tutorials, a, uh, a complete walkthrough inside of my Learn Stage Lighting Labs membership community. Um, and there'll be more info on that in the show notes as well, and inside that, um, I go over in Ableton how to set it up um, both ways, both via the MIDI way and both via the um, plugin way. And so this will show you through Ableton how to set up those MIDI tracks and all that. And it's probably um, very similar in Pro Tools. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed it so far. I'm having a ton of fun with the podcast. Um, you know, the first few episodes I'd recorded ahead of time, but now, you know, the podcast has been launched and um, it's it's been really great hearing um, the feedback from you all. And if you can give us a hand um, wherever you do watch podcasts or listen rather in the case of this podcast, go ahead and leave a rating and a review. That helps so much, helps more people to find this podcast and get help with their lighting. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Be sure to visit us at learnstagelighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.